Thanks for joining us today with another podcast from New Hope Church. We hope that you enjoy what we have for you today and find it encouraging and uplifting. If you ever want to learn more information about New Hope Church, please visit us online at myhope.life. We'd love to get to know you. Have a wonderful day and God bless. dismiss the kids to Sunday school you guys are gonna have a good time over there today adults we're gonna have a good time over here I promise you I won't bore you and I promise you my message isn't that long unless you guys talk to me like then uh, then I'll just keep talking you know like that's how it goes <laughs> you guys laugh and it just like encourages me to uh, keep talking <laughs> So, <laughs> comedy hour begins now. Kidding, kidding. We're going to open the Word of God. We're going to look at some exciting things today. Last week, we talked about Peter and how it must have felt as he denied Jesus. Can you imagine this? Jesus says to Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the, the rooster crows. And I, and I think about it, like, could you imagine being told by God, hey, you're going to fail? How many of us, like, sometimes God calls us to something could you imagine if God calls you and then says, and by the way, as you do this, you're probably, you are going to fail. Like he doesn't question it. He's like, you're going to fail. But he doesn't leave Peter and he doesn't just leave him high and dry. He gives him an opportunity to change. He says in the garden of Gethsemane, he's like, pray that you don't enter into temptation. He tells him to do this. And I think about ourselves and sometimes we get so attracted to the things that, um, that happen, the new shiny things. And um, I, I think sometimes like, so in, in, this, in this passage here, Jesus tells them, if you don't have a sword, you need to sell your garment and, and buy a sword. And then one of the disciples is like, here's two swords. And Jesus is like, that's enough swords. And I, I look at this and I'm, we can get so stuck on the physical that we miss the spiritual. And the reality is, is, that the weapons that we have are mighty to pulling down the, the, the strongholds of the enemy. And I'm talking about prayer. I'm talking about reading God's yeah. word, fasting, seeking him. And that's how change begins to happen. That's how the war changes within us. If you haven't heard, if you didn't listen to it, go back and listen to it. It's on our website. I, I decided that one of the things that I do forever is I recap my message. And so I decided I'm just going to start telling you, if you want to listen to it, I'm not going to re-preach it. Just go listen to it online. <laughs> Shorten it up. <laughs> but sometimes I'm like, boy, I missed this point, so I'm going to bring it out this week. <laughs> so sometimes I'll probably still do that. But anyways, the war continues. And so last week we left off with uh, Jesus being taken off by the, the Roman soldiers and the high priests and all this stuff. And um, it kind of leaves us, Peter having failed. Oh, could you imagine being Peter? Like he, he messed up there, but we see that Peter is used later on to preach that message in Acts. 
um, that starts the church. And so there's a war that continues to be waged. And imagine the thoughts that were in Jesus's mind during this. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not Jesus. There's no way that I'm anywhere near being Jesus. I'm a failure. I have faults. And I'm, there ain't no way I'm close to Jesus because I think if I had to carry a cross, I don't know how, how I, don't, I would hope that I could make it, but I feel like if I was Jesus, I would try and get out of it. Like, come on, how many times, like, God's like, hey, I need you to do this. You're like, but let me just, like, reason out how I don't need to do this. Like, but God, I'm not this, I'm not that. There was this one time I was walking out of Quiznos. You're like, wow, that was a long time ago. There ain't no Quiznos anymore. <laughs> I was walking out of Quiznos, and uh, there was this guy standing there. And, well, actually, this was on the way in. And it was the weirdest feeling. God was like, I felt like God was like, you need to talk to this person. And I was like... Okay, how about this? God, if he's still there, literally my prayer that I prayed inside of Quiznos at this point. God, if he's there after I get my sandwich, then I will talk to him. So for whatever reason, I stand there, I order my sandwich, and I go through the line. And lo and behold, the guy is still standing out there. And I'm like, well, God, let him say something to me. I'll maybe say hello as I walk by. Okay, I talked to him. I justified it. No, that is the wrong thing. But we've been like, God like prompts us to do something. And we're like, mm, I'm scared. I'm nervous. God, you're asking the wrong person. Send someone else. Ask someone else. Remember, he sent Jonah. Remember Jonah, like the Jonah and the whale, the guy who like refused to, to go to Nineveh. He gets there and then he preaches the message and people repent. But you know what Jonah does? He goes and sits on the hill waiting for them to be destroyed. I know this isn't about Easter, but let's move on. Sometimes we can get stuck in those thoughts and I'm not God. And I imagine what would the thought of God be that day? There was one point, a time where a tree was planted or it was created, whatever, and it began to grow. And God knew that that was the tree that would eventually be cut down and be used as a torture device by the Romans to crucify Jesus. Imagine this, like he allowed for this tree to be created for you and I. And I think sometimes we romanticize the cross as if it holds some type of power. Hollywood loves the cross, you know, like you watch your vampire movies and they pull out the cross. I think it's vampires. I don't know. Or, you know, like you think about it, if the enemy shows up and you pull out a cross, ain't nothing gonna happen. You can be like, what are you gonna do? <laughs> I said this already. I can't redo that joke. What are you gonna do? Tickle me with it? <laughs> we romanticize the cross. I was, reading the, I was reading the different accounts of the crucifixion. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and there's only one difference, and it's in the book of Mark. And, and all of the other ones uh, show Jesus, not Jesus, but the Roman soldiers grabbing Simon and telling him to carry the cross. They don't even show Jesus carrying the cross. And I imagine Jesus was weak after being beaten as he was. And the only one that, uh, that shows it is Mark, and it says that he bore his cross. And I, listened, I thought about it for a moment. He did. 
He did bear his cross. For me, the weight of the world, the sins of the world, he bore that cross. He was willing to go to Calvary for me. He was willing to die on the cross for me. And so when I think about that, I think sometimes maybe we've over-dramatized and over, and we've got all these ideas in our head of what Easter is and all these symbols and all this stuff. But have you ever thought that here in this moment, it wasn't about the cross, it was about the sacrifice? That it had nothing to do with the object that he was sacrificed on, but rather what held him there. The cross continued to do its job long after, long after Jesus had been there. They continued to crucify people. They crucified people and continued to do that. I would assume they reused the cross. It wasn't like they cut down each one of them and got rid of it. They would reuse these, these devices of torture Think about that. Now, there's no Bible that says, hey, Jesus had a fresh cross or Jesus had a used cross or Jesus, you know, it doesn't say any of that. But what did our Savior take? What did he, what did he do? We picture this, we picture Jesus weak and stumbling up the hill with his cross until they ask him, but the Bible doesn't record Jesus falling and hitting the ground. The Bible doesn't, the Bible says that no bones were broken and I have to think that Jesus, every step of the way, bore his cross. Even when Simon picked up the cross, he still bore the cross because he was doing it for you and I. Now, I know today is Resurrection Sunday. We're talking about, you know, the, the, the grave. But let's, let's, let, me, let me give you these scriptures real quick. Luke 23, 35 through 39, it says, The people stood watching, and even the leaders were scoffing. He saved others. Let him save himself. If this is God's Messiah, the chosen one, the soldiers also mocked him. They came offering him sour wine and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. An inscription was written above him. This is the king of the Jews. Imagine for a moment the thoughts Jesus may have had at this point. My thoughts would be like, I really would like to get off this cross. My thoughts would be like, this doesn't feel good. I think of all the carnal things that I would think of in that moment. And I don't think what Jesus thought. I think the war within was probably different than anyone else in this room. When Jesus hung there on the cross, I imagine that he saw us, that he saw each of us. And I held him to that cross. You held him to that cross. That spirit within him said, I have got to stay on this cross because I love them. I want a relationship with them. It wasn't a doubt or a thought that he would come off of the cross, but I will stay here because I love these ones that ridicule me and reject me. I love them and I do it for them that they may have an opportunity to have relationship with me. I think the war within him was different. It was a war with hell and the grave and sin and heaven was waging a war that day that it was for you. It was for you and I so that we could have relationship with him. In Luke 23, 44 through 47, it says, it was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three. Because the sun's light failed, the curtain of the sanctuary was split down the middle. One of the most powerful things is this moment in time. 
We've talked about it in our Bible study on Tuesday nights about um, the holiest of holies. That's what this was separating, was the holiest of holies. One person a year could enter into that and had to be the high priest. It mattered who you were and your lineage and all of this thing. But in this moment, we went from one period to another time period. When the veil was torn, it created an opportunity for me to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't have to go to anyone else. I can go straight to him. That's the beauty of this moment right here in time. And it says, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. Saying this, he breathed his last breath. In verse 47, it says, when the centurion saw what happened, he began to glorify God, saying, this man really was righteous. At this moment, the Roman centurion realized he was innocent. I wonder what happened to this centurion. What war waged inside of him? What battle was going on in his mind? All of his beliefs and customs here in this moment are being shattered by what Jesus Christ is doing. Could you imagine? See, I'm more of a Roman centurion than I could ever be Jesus Christ because I'm the one who nailed him there. It was for my sins and my mess ups. And he saw that I would crucify him afresh again and again because I would go back to my life of sin and I would make changes and I would do things that he didn't want me to do and I would fail him. And he said, it's okay. I love you. Imagine that in all our faults and failures. He loves us. So how did this moment feel for him? In... Uh, in John, it records the I am statements. And John uh, records this moment when they came to get him in the, the uh, Garden of Gethsemane. They say, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, I am he. And in that moment, everyone falls back. And, and I think about this, maybe this Roman centurion was there and didn't understand what happened. But here in this moment, here he is experiencing Jesus giving his life, and he says how righteous he was. He was innocent. How could this moment feel? I won't labor the cross because that's not the point. I'm thankful for the sacrifice, but I'm so thankful for what I see and feel today. I'm thankful for the empty tomb. Let's talk about the tomb. There's two places Ashley was talking about this the other day, and I was like, totally stealing that. God gave that for her for me <laughs> to give to you. <laughs> it was real good. A lot of times people will debate when Jesus was put in the tomb. Was it Thursday night? Was it Friday night? I can't tell you. I know. Uh, there's some people who figured out, you know, down to the minute probably when Jesus was in there. They think they figured it out. I'm not worried about that. Here's what I love is that it says there's, there's, there's two places we know of that are debated today of where Jesus would have been buried. Um, one has like a church built on it, um, which is just absolutely ridiculous that we would build a church over that. Um, doesn't make any sense to me why, oh, Jesus might have been buried here. Let's build a church like that doesn't make sense. You know, like in the all sense of like archaeological 
stuff. You know, okay, so whatever. Anyways, there's another place that doesn't have a church built on it. And you can go see these two places today. Um, I don't think you can go into one of them. But what's so cool is there's two places that are disputed, but both of those places are empty. So it doesn't matter what day he was put in. Both of those places are empty. And I'm thankful for an empty tomb. And in verses, uh, in chapter 24 and 5 through 6, it says, So the women were terrified and bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Asked the men. He's not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee. So while there's still two disputed locations, both of them are still empty. I know my Savior lives. I don't have to push on this point. It was funny this morning I was reading a, before I got out of bed, because after I got out of bed, everything changed. Uh, but before I got out of bed, I was reading a meme on Facebook, and I thought it was really funny. Um, and it said something along the lines of, all of you people want to have early morning services, do it correctly and send the women first. And if it's good, they'll come back and tell the men and they'll come back for the second one. <laughs> because, you know, they go, it was the women who went to go anoint Jesus and, you know, whatever. But <laughs> funny jokes. <laughs> um, anyways, after I woke up, though, man, it got difficult. I think a lot of times we begin to crave the grave. And the Bible represents the world as the grave. And as we come out of the grave, we're coming out of sin. That's how it describes it. And I think sometimes we crave the grave. We crave that being in there, that solitude and that confinement. And Jesus is calling us out of the grave, but yet we're like, ah, I don't want to because this is my place of comfort. I can't stay in darkness. We're not supposed to stay there. We're supposed to come out. God's called us to come out and be separate. And there's a reason why I say that. Because in, in Colossians 2, 11 through 15, it says, You were also circumcised in him with a circumcision not done with hands, but putting off the body of flesh in the circumcision of Christ. When you were buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all your trespasses. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations. Well, I tell you what, I just, I love that idea. He erased that debt that I owed. He, he said, I am going to be the one who pays the bill. I am thankful for that, that I have an opportunity to have my sin erased, that I can come up out of the water and I can be a new creature in Christ that I can be buried with him in baptism. He erased that certificate of debt that was against us and opposed to us. And was, he has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them in him. These scriptures show how I can change the war within. I play a role in changing the war. Jesus cleared the way. I have this, back when I was a kid, I lived in Washington, D.C. I think it was some Chambers, Chris Chambers, something like that. I can't remember. 
Um, but I, I, re, I remember there was these, this guy that his job was to go before the president like several days a week or whatever and go and he was the preparation team like he got all the communication set up and all those things like the president knows where he's going <laughs> like weeks in advance the president knows where he's going and this guy would go out with his team and they would set up communication and they would make sure the area was right and I'm sure there was probably secret service people there but that was the communications that was used and I think about this Jesus went before so that when I show up like, I'm not saying you're president or anything like that, but just think, he went before you so that the war could be changed for you. He went so that you could have an opportunity to have a new walk with him. And there's the pre-team, and that's Jesus. And now I can have relationship, but I've got to keep my eyes on him. When the president would go into these places, he's got a responsibility to listen to his team, to listen to the secret service. And this guy played a vital role in setting up the communication. So you have a decision to make, to put away the world or to put on Christ. You have to make the decision. Every one of us is going to make a decision. Jesus said that except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. There is a responsibility. He's like, hey, I want everyone to be there and I'm making a way for them. And this is how you get there. That's what he was laying out for every single person. And so if I want to be victorious in my life, it starts with obedience to the word of God. I've got to be obedient to what was spoken, to what was, to what was written. I have got to follow this with my heart and with my life. Am I going to make mistakes? I do every day. This morning I woke up. You ever have those moments where like you wake up in the morning and then bam, there's poop on the floor because of the dog. And then it's like diarrhea and it's all over the place. Yes, that was my morning this morning. It just started out really rough. My poor little doggy with his diarrhea. I don't know what it got into. Oh, the meme was funny until I realized what was on the floor. And then I'm like, I can't even move now because like my house is like landmine. What in the world, dog? Well, then it runs out in the hallway and it's dripping there in front of grandma's room. And she's walking from the bathroom to the, I have to like dive in her way. And <laughs> Kidding. Poor dog. Feel bad for her. I hope she's okay. <laughs> oh. We have those days and we just like lose it. Like God, like God calls you to do something and you're like, oh God, I'm going to mess it up. I just know it. And like, you, <laughs> you wake up and you get out of bed. You're like, I'm going to be confident today. Confident in Christ. Well, that sounds good. I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to puff my chest out and bam, there's the poop in the floor. And it's just, <laughs> well, my day's ruined. God, if you love me, you wouldn't let my dog poop. Guess I'm not going to tell anyone about Jesus. <laughs> no, we come on. Like sometimes we make the craziest excuses for not doing something for God. We're like, oh, I'm not, I'm not good enough. I'm not educated enough. And you're like, well, well, that's, that's fair enough. Well, no, you think the disciples were, they were fishermen. Come on. <laughs> like if you can fish, you can be a disciple. <laughs> God will lead you and guide you and he will prepare you. So I'm going to put my best, I'm going to put my best foot forward. I'm going to repent. God, I made mistakes. 
And now I'm going to chase after you. I'm going to follow you with everything in me. I make mistakes. To this day, I'm not worthy to preach. I'm not worthy to be called. I, like, I don't get it sometimes. Like There are days when people are like, pastor, and I'm like, who are you talking to? <laughs> like It's still like this, this day. Like It's really hard to live up to what God calls you to. You're like, well, I am so not the one, God. And then someone's like, oh, thank you for, for everything that you've done. And I'm like, I don't know what I did. <laughs> like, you want to be confident in what you're doing. You're like, oh, this is the way. Like, I wish I could be one of those cool leaders that, like, everyone was like, oh, man, he knows what he's talking about. Sometimes I'm like, people are like, this dude's crazy. <laughs> Have you met him? <laughs> That's okay. I'm crazy about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's okay to have fun when you go to church. It's okay to rejoice on Easter. <laughs> so last week I challenged you to read 1 Corinthians 11 because we're going to do communion today. Um, and I think it's very vital that each and every one of us understand what communion is. And so you're like, well, I've done communion 500 times. Good, today's a new day. That it's, I, like communion is not just a rite. It's not a passage. It's not a, you become an adult at this point. It's, it's, it's not that. Repentance is a commitment to God. And so I challenged you guys to read 1 Corinthians 11. And the reason why is because there's like a whole bunch of scriptures that are really good rather than just telling you read verses 27 through 30. Read the whole chapter instead. <laughs> you can read 30 some verses. <laughs> I think it's 35 or something. 27 says, so then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and the blood of the Lord. That's a pretty deep thing right there. And that's why I was like, you guys should read these scriptures before you come to church. So if you didn't read them, it's okay. I'm going to read them for you. Uh, let a person examine himself in this way. Let him eat the bread and drink from the cup. For whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many are sick and ill among you and many have fallen asleep. So I want to be right with God, right? And I don't think that there is a person in here that's like, I, I don't want I, I don't really care about God. Like, I, like you wouldn't be here on Easter, like. It's, it's, it's more than just a one Sunday a year. It's more than one, two Sundays a year. There's Christmas and Easter. I serve God every day of the week. I rejoice in his resurrection every day. So when people are, um, sometimes people get like all frustrated about an Easter egg hunt. They're like, oh, it's pagan. So is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. <laughs> so, so it's January, February, March. <laughs> like, come on, like. The whole calendar is pagan, so like, so now I can't, oh, I can't adhere to any of that stuff. I mean, like when you go back to like the time and all that stuff, I mean, this is like all this crazy stuff. So I'm going to celebrate my risen Savior on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. <laughs> um, and so I, I challenge you, as we go through this today, let it be a time of commitment, recommitment of your life to God. That's how I view this. That's how I view repentance. I don't take it lightly. I think it's a big deal every time I take it. It's important to do, but communion should be done every day. 
Like you, and I'm not talking about taking a little piece of bread and juice, but your communing with God should happen every single day, not just here and there. It's one of the reasons why I'm just not a huge fan of doing communion once a month or anything, because it's not just a passage in the service. It's not just a moment in the service. It is a moment in my relationship with God, and I don't want it to become commonplace. I don't want to. I love communion, and I love what Jesus did for me on the cross and what he did when he rose again. And I love looking forward to the day that he comes. But I get to do that every day, not just here and there. And so we know that there's a need for the church to awaken. Repentance is never wrong. And it's only wrong when you're like, well, God, I'm going to repent of the sin that I'm going to do in six minutes. <laughs> like we, we go from repentance and then we just turn right back around. That's not repentance. Repentance is godly sorrow, working repentance. God, I'm sorry for this, what I'm doing in my life. And help me to change, to make the progress. Am I going to slip up? Probably going to slip up. Probably going to go back to your sinful nature at some point in your life. But I pray you don't. I still make mistakes today. But you know what I do? God, I messed up again. Forgive me. Help me to follow in your will. God, help me to not go back to that again with the intent of not going back. Baptism is a vital step. In, in, in walking a new life in Jesus. And Jesus told us that we must be born of the water and of the spirit. And we're going to have some baptisms today. I'm excited about that. Celebrate with people and what God's doing in their life and what he has done in their life. And then the filling of his spirit is clearly a vital step because Acts 1 and 8 says, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you're like, you may be sitting here today, this is the craziest Easter message I've ever heard. Well, it's not really an Easter message. I'm just trying to help you win the war that's being waged within you because heaven and hell are waging a war for your soul. And you may be sitting there today and trying to decide what is my next step. Maybe you need to go back to repentance. Maybe you need to start at the first step. God, I believe. God, I pray that you would help me, God, to have a, a clean life. Purge me, wash me. Maybe it's baptism. Maybe you haven't taken that step yet. Or the feeling of it, man, I want that. I want power. Before we go forward in this service, though, before we take communion, I want us to have a time of repentance and prayer because I want us to each examine our own lives. And when that's done, we're going to do communion. And as this song plays, examine your life. God, is there anything in my life that needs to change, that needs to take place? God, shine a light into every area. So as this song plays, I just ask that you would spend some time in prayer right now. When peace like a river attends my way When sorrows like sea billows roll So
Nailed to 